On today's Stuck In, as promised, at long last, we finally have the epic and triumphant return of the interview. And presented in full, without commercial interruption, devoid of any usual episode from me and Jared because, well, there just wasn't really anything newsworthy in the footballing world these last couple of days. You know, something like, I don't know, James getting invited back to the Columbia camp uh, or a PSG women's player doing her best Tanya Harding impression and hiring a literal hitman to take out her positional competition on the team or anything like that. So, yeah, perfect timing on this one. We've got no ground to cover today. So without further ado, here's your exclusive interview with Aaron Manning. This is a magisterial goal of the highest order. Okay, and we're joined now by a very special guest, probably our best and most important guest that we've ever had on the podcast here. Uh, Someone who is actually a a recurring guest uh, in a way. You might remember him uh, from a very early on episode, a little mini segment there. Uh, Someone who I've been friends with for many years now, uh, both hired as a coach and coached alongside uh, and commiserated, uh, although it's a a little bit more than commiserating uh, these days in our support of Arsenal Football Club. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, you might remember him from one of the very early segments uh, where we uh, basically, you know, heralded the end of the world uh, after our opening Premier League loss against Brentford. Uh, I want to say a big welcome back to the show, Aaron Manning. How you doing, buddy? Hey, doing pretty well. Um, you know, the sun is shining now. It's not as much uh, <laughs> doom and gloom as it was when we last talked, but, uh, you know, can't complain. Pretty, pretty happy with the, the change in form, let's say. Uh, yes, absolutely. That, so. <laughs> absolutely. And we're, we're going to spend uh, a significant chunk of time of this interview uh, talking about Arsenal. Uh, but yeah, I got a couple questions. I want to get to know Aaron Manning, uh, the person, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, but but first, um, I, I really wanted to start with this. I, I know you are an avid jersey collector. Uh, you are always staying current and fresh. Uh, and you actually told me offline the other day that you actually might get your very first goalkeeper jersey. Uh, is that more? Or because you share the same first name uh, as Aaron Ramsdale or because of his absolutely unreal, world-class, redonkulous double save against Leicester last week? Or maybe a little bit of both? <laughs> Definitely more the latter than the former. But, you yeah. know, the former is a little bit of a bonus um, with both of us sharing the same name. But, uh, you know, what a, what a, what a performance. And, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. You know, I think we were talking about – I think I probably ranted about that deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, so me too. Me too. Those, hey, I need to apologize to Aaron. Um, you know, but uh, it was interesting because I think one of the things we talked about was, did we actually need a new goalkeeper? It's like we got Bern Leno, he's solid, mm. like DB plus kind of keeper. And like, you have to say it's, you know, he's up the level, he's up the spirit in the team as well. And just, you know, everything he's doing with the fans is absolutely everything you want to see, you know, at AFC. So yeah, um, he injected a bit of energy, a bit of youthful exuberance instead of Burned Leno, who like his want away, you know, he's like moping around the pitch and around the training ground, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, yeah, huge upgrade. And by the way, we're going to keep our eye on Ramsdale. I think he's, he's even come out in the media and said he wants to be England's number one. Uh, and after seeing that that double save and, and what he's done so far, uh, he might he might actually be on that trajectory. But again, we're going to save the football and the arsenal for a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I do want to know a little bit more about Aaron Manning. Uh, obviously, plenty of traveling supporters would love to get to know uh, this incredible mind, this insightful guy on, on Arsenal and the world of football. So let's just rewind a little bit here. Uh, let's start from the beginning, dude. Where, where did you grow up? Uh, and how were you introduced to the game of soccer? 
Well, grew up in uh, D.C., just outside, or well, just outside D.C. We like to start with saying we are from sure. D.C. just because that were pinpoints, but just outside D.C. in Maryland, um, in Bethesda suburb. Um, got into soccer actually just by watching a couple of kids playing at the park uh, when I was four. And just one of the, you know, days I was there, one of the kids kicked the ball and it kind of went out of bounds and went towards me. And I went to go kick it back to him. And apparently, I you know, don't really remember this <laughs> as well because it was such a long time ago. But apparently I kicked it pretty well right back to him and they asked me to come and play. And sort of the rest was history, you know. No way. That is that's and... an incredible story, Aaron. That's like a scene out of a movie, you know, where like the ball rolls to the kid who's watching longingly on the side. And then, you know, he just like hucks it back into play and everyone's jaw hits the ground. And like, you yeah. know, the rest is history from there. Yeah, that was basically the crux of it. And then uh, from there, I got into sort of, you know, wreck, you know, playing with your friends from school, neighborhood team, parent coach, you know, then sort of moved up from there into classic once like you know kind of rec became too easy pretty quickly for me so you know the, the kids that were more athletic a little bit more serious started playing classic same thing you know parent coach kind of in the neighborhood playing some other teams a little bit um further away in the same area but you know how it goes with classic and and then i think it was around middle school beginning of middle school is when i was like you know what i too small for basketball tennis isn't exciting enough for me baseball's not exciting <laughs> enough for me let's stick with soccer. And so that's when I moved into travel soccer and, you know, really became, started becoming competitive, you know, doing the whole, you know, NCSL was really the only, um, and that was like, that was like it. If you were playing travel around this area, uh, and then, you know, started going to tournaments here and there. And, um, then I started jumping around once I really knew I wanted to play in college. And that was pretty early on. Like, I think when I was in eighth grade, ninth grade, Okay. Is when I was like, I definitely wanted to play in college. So I, uh, I did stay with one team, uh, DC Stoddard Internationals, um, for a long time, for like a few years, played for, uh, the legendary Len Oliver, who's had big connections in this area. Wow. With, yeah. Um, Hall of Fame guy, legitimately. Sport. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, he actually took us up to, uh, Oneata to the, uh, Soccer Hall of Fame. They had, a, you know, a tournament up there every year. We always went up there and, you know, we, of course, went through the, the Hall of Fame. He showed, showed us the pictures of him and stuff. You yeah, know, like yeah. The, the whole thing, you know. And we're like, you know, we're like young kids, like, this is cool. But, you know, at the time, we, I don't think we knew the gravity about how, like, you know, incredible that was. And, um, oh, no. Dude, I, I went know. to the Grand Canyon when I was 10 years old. And I was like, what? It's just a fucking hole in the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, just, you, just, you just don't appreciate those sort of, like, big, grandiose things when you're that young. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, yeah. What we're, was we're, he know, like, by to... the way, Len Oliver? Because I, I just remember interesting... hearing some stuff like later on in his career. You know, he almost was like an Arsene Wenger type where he's getting older and throwing out some like, oh, you know, some yeah. kooky ideas. Like he wanted there to be one, two and three point goals and stuff like that. So, like, what what was he like? He was an interesting coach. Like one. I mean, he always had good wisdom. You know, he's been in the game so long. He's been there, done that, seen that. So, like, you know, when he's talking to you about soccer and and everything especially like doing what you want to do like off the field and sort of your how you should have your mindset you know your mm-hmm. your mentality in the game and how you train and everything was was really good but he was an interesting guy we me and my buddy who who played for him um, who I also went to Whitman with we would always joke around because sometimes we'd show up to practice and and he'd be like so excited and inspired he'd bring us together and he's like all right guys we're gonna we're gonna learn how to play like the 1970 like Dutch team or like the you know <laughs> something like and he'd sort of recall this like old 
like, you know, national team that like had an amazing World Cup and we're kind of looking around each other like, you know, we're <laughs> – 13 14 years old we have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) and and, uh, i mean the sessions would be would be great and everything um you know we regularly finish top of our division in division one a lot so like you know he he knew how to run a good team and also just because he's been around the game and and pretty much knows everybody that really helped for like when we went to showcase tournaments and things like that because he could just get in get us into anything um but then towards like you know around like sophomore junior year we kind of some of the kids started to kind of lose interest and, you know, started hurting the sort of competitiveness on the team, you know, less kids showing up to practice, less interested in tournaments. So that's when my dad and I, especially I got, I mean, I had a lot of help from my dad and I have to give a lot of kudos to him, but he kind of became my pseudo agent. And, uh, you know, okay. I get, you know, Kylian Mbappe's like father is negotiating his contract. Like yeah. I get it now. <laughs> like when you know, all these guys have their, their parents, you know, negotiating those deals but uh yeah he started like you know looking around for other teams he's basically like i've got a son he can play he's competitive wants to play in college like and started just getting me tryouts left and right so then from dc started i jumped to bethesda um i jumped to great falls i played for dc united academy um a lot of clubs were played for msc for for the msc academy when it was sort sort of starting up too mm-hmm. um started jumping around a lot and trying to guest in as many tournaments and teams as I could and um, ended up, uh, you know, getting recruited, got to play at uh, Kenyon College for one year, but ended up not being a great fit for me. Um, mm-hmm. as sometimes that happens when you, you know, you tour a school and it looks great and everything. But then when you actually go there, you're like, mm, this isn't really the vibe I'm looking for. Professors not so keen on and ended up transferring after a gap year to Ohio Wesleyan, which was my second choice. And uh, after getting in into Ohio Wesleyan in 2011, um, we were lucky enough to win a uh, – not lucky. We were actually pretty good. But we, we yeah, won a national come on now. <laughs> yeah, we won a national championship in, in 2011. Um, yeah. Great team. We, we actually lost our first game of the season to Trinity, then went on a 23 unbeaten run. We won 23 games straight yeah. um, and lost to – um, I forget the team name to be honest, but it was the conference final, and it was actually like the last game we could lose without being knocked out and ending our season. And I remember the first thing we talked about in the locker room was like, you know, that we were letting that win streak get in our head, like, oh, we'll just show up and just be whoever's in front of us, kind of thing. And you mm-hmm. know, that really like humbled us um, as we you know got ready for the tournament. And then, boom, six games later, we're lifting the trophy in San Antonio. So. Um, Fucking right, man. And that type of thing, that can actually, that that can be good for a team, you know, to put them back in their place, bring them back down to earth, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I definitely do want to hear more about, uh, you know, the college experience. But if we can rewind uh, just a little bit Mm -hmm. and and a very, very quick side out, uh, because my brain uh, literally just did the mental gymnastics to remember it. I made the allusion Mm -hmm. to the, uh, the scene out of the movie where the ball rolls. What I was thinking was, if you remember Rookie of the Year, when the uh, the guy hits the home run and he and the kids in the stands and then they're like throw it back throw it and then he just whips it in and then obviously mm. the rest is history from there that's what I was thinking of okay I just need <laughs> to get that out there um, but yeah back to um, you know the youth soccer thing and obviously you're bouncing around towards the end of high school before you go to college was it still a little bit of the wild west when it came to the youth soccer landscape because I just remember at that age it was still very or at least just not what it is today like super organized with all these options etc etc what what was the youth soccer landscape like for you around here it was it was hard to it was really hard to sort of know what else was out there obviously like you know with social media the internet has 
come so far since then and everything like you just like didn't know about most other teams or leagues or tournaments you kind of just like you know like the way we were we kept winning our league and everything and we're like yeah, yeah. we're like the best ever and then we go to like a tournament in Atlanta and be like oh my god like who's this team you know right, you kind of right, right. you kind of you kind of like yeah just sort of get surprised a lot and there's less scouting and you know the college recruitment um you know the colleges had to like the coaches had to come and see you really like if they i yeah, mean some yeah. would call and everything and, and now it's like about you know you a lot of it is making reels or um you know sending you know having uh you know social media stuff i know my team we use trace and that that way you can compile clips as well to right to send the coaches it's like a lot more digital um and uh indirect now as opposed to direct um and also high school was a lot you know bigger um, of a factor back then, I feel like than it is now. I feel like now, um, unless you're at like you know one of these top private schools or teams in the nation, you know, it's like it's really not. Uh, um, it doesn't carry as much weight, if that makes sense, with like college recruitment. It's really all about like club or if you're involved in like an academy, um, for example. And I know the DC United Academy around here has been growing and growing and growing. All right. Um, and in its stature and MLS, then of course we'll probably get into maybe the DA and MLS next um, at some point too. But, you know, all, all of these, all of these leagues and tournaments and everything, it's just completely blown up and it's exciting to see because you can see there is a hunger for soccer, especially youth soccer. And it's kind of, we're still trying to figure out as a country how to gap bridge that gap between youth to pros and how we can mm. get and then eventually into the u.s national team and you can see some of the the players now like the reinas the politics um kind of starting to be some of those success stories so to speak um but how can we you know keep that flowing and you know make that more prevalent with with young players coming up and through and you know i think uh Pulisic, i think didn't even um play in college right he went straight i think he went straight abroad yeah. to, uh, That's right. to dortmund and um by the way, it was just up there a couple of weeks ago at the PA Classics yeah. ground. Yeah, we, we played them in MLS Next uh, the yeah. other weekend. And yeah, I got to see the, the Christian Pulisic uh, uh, grounds, which I thought was going to be this like massive complex with like tons of turf fields. And like, it's just a couple like 4v4 pickup fields. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it's actually not super impressive. Yeah, and to your point about like, you know, the game has grown big time with the, the internet and social media. Obviously, we're all super connected now and everything. And that's brought pros, but I think also a bit of cons too, because now there's almost like too many options and too many leagues and too many academies like competing against each other to the point where it turns into like this rat race. Like it's not like, it, it's not like we're all striving towards this one common goal of like developing youth to like to take the next step to college and pro and international and beyond and all that stuff. It's actually really just like competing against each other and almost like self-defeating in a way. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you know, we'll probably both have opinions on the pay to play format in this country, oh, too. You know, yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot of clubs, you know, they're great, but, you know, they're really just there to you know make money and it's a business you know it's a business and of course i mean like if you you know went the other way it still is a business too but it's way more incentivized because you know you have to develop the players and if you develop the players and move them on to bigger and better things to you know club like clubs domestic and abroad you know mls is growing too um yeah. you know that's that's pays for everything like you know if, if uh you know if we if pa classics had you know made a deal with Dortmund directly, I bet you they'd be rolling in it right now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then, then you, of course, reinvest that into your fields, your coaching education, your, your academies, all that stuff. And, um, you know, and then you just then you go again. Um, but, you know, there's so many different clubs now and, and parents are I feel like parents don't know as much about the game. I feel like educating them is a big step that we have to take because a lot of them will either see like, oh, well, my, my kid plays for this for this club. And, you know, this club is known for all of these things. But, you know, are what what about their team? What about the environment that they go to every week? Like is is that environment, you know, living up to that sort of vision you have for that badge or, or so you know you know what i'm trying to say with yeah um, yeah 100 percent. because you know yeah like uh like you were saying you've got a team that's playing in mls next and um again i don't actually don't know uh alexandria's you know teams and structure that you know use a hypothetical you might have like one or two teams that are competing for you know national titles etc cetera, etc cetera. um and then you you know your child plays on for that but maybe your child plays on like a fourth or fifth team down the pecking order and they're just playing in you know, um, certain division, maybe the coach is not as um, engaging as he should be, or maybe the mm. players aren't as committed, different levels of commitment, all that stuff, all those factors take into place. And I feel, I always tell parents as a coach myself, like, don't look at the badge, just first look like, look at the, you know, the environment, what kind of environment is the coach and the players created in this team? You know, how does your, how does the coach communicate with your child? How does he communicate with the team? Yeah. And, you know, is your child being properly challenged? Like it shouldn't be like, you know, you're showing up and winning every game seven, nothing like you guys need to go up, you know, at the same time, you also don't want to be playing games. Where you're getting beat four or five, nothing every game either. You need to find, you know, the right balance where you're def- you're being challenged and you know that you're um, in a place where you can grow and enjoy your soccer first and foremost. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, speaking of the parents and parents education, don't leave out the part about how they should fucking behave at some of these games too, uh, because mm-hmm. like the reason why there's a referee shortage, the reason why like the game is struggling right now is actually because of you, because you parents are just like constantly yelling at these people. And mm-hmm. at a certain point, a lot of them and, and a lot of the best ones uh, are, are, are just saying fuck it and, and just leaving uh, the game. I mean, and I, I know like, yeah, I'm going to chalk up a couple uh, like the last, a couple of months, you know, or the last year or so. Uh, I mean, people just forgot how to behave during the pandemic. You look at all these like flight (laughs) attendants that are getting attacked. I mean, in professional games, fans storming the field and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I get it. There's like this general like craziness that has like infected all of humanity because of the pandemic and not just the virus, but, but anyways, um, but yeah, there still needs to be a lot of work I think done uh, in the youth game. Although I think we'd probably agree, Aaron, it's, it's probably uh, like, not just a little bit, but a lot better than when you and I were playing. Cause I just remember it being the wild West. No one knew anything. We all lived in a yeah. little bubble. We played in that same league with the same people over and over. And it was just like, that was it. Yep. Absolutely. Like if you and I were playing now, we'd be having a field day out here, you know, <laughs> um, I know. and uh, you know, these kids probably are loving the, you know, they've got so much video and recording going on. Like you see clips of, you know, you're scoring goals, making saves, like, yep. you know, cheering at the, you know, you finally lifting the trophy, those kinds of things. Like, you know, we just, we didn't have things like that to, you know, sort of savor. We was, just, I mean, again, it was all in the moment and those moments were, you know, incredible and, um, you know, really uh, encouraging of course and uplifting, but, you know, just to have all this like extra stuff that the kids have now, like, you know, mm. haven't even got into like the, 
performance trackers and vests that you can wear now. Imagine if we had those and we could, you know, say like, oh, wow, like, you know, I had six hours of sleep last night and I didn't, I didn't play well to Saturday's game. Maybe, uh, you know, and see those <laughs> kind of stats and, and make those adjustments. Like imagine how different our training meant, uh, you know, regiments and mentality would be if we had as much data as well, um, that yeah, they have today, 100, but it's, 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 it's crazy what there is available to these kids now. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, good shout on, on youth soccer for sure. Um, but let's put the spotlight back on uh, you. We had put a pin in the late high school uh, and college years. Um, so, so, right. So obviously, you, you know, you went to uh, Whitman, right. You're getting good exposure with, with the clubs that you were at towards the end of that career. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, then, and then back to the college thing. Um, can you, what, sorry, what was the first college again? And, and why wasn't it a great fit? Uh, so the first college was Kenyon college. Right. Um, and it was, actually funny enough it was like 45 minutes away from Ohio which was my second choice at the time um and you know I just you know again I I went to see both schools on the same weekend when I was visiting uh Kenyon and Ohio Wesleyan and um you know when I got to Kenyon it was very storybook campus you know on a hill beautiful you know buildings beautiful scenery just like very you know um Nice, nice amenities, all that stuff. Sure, you know, sure. It was like, you know, brand new, multi-million dollar thing, you know, and we went to Ohio Wesleyan, which, you know, again, was a nice school, but just like, you know, seeing it back to back at face value, just like a totally different cover, you know, on that, on those books. Um, and, you know, also at the same time, a big pull for me was, you know, the coach from Kenyon, he was like, if you commit, you know, you're going to start as a freshman. Ah. Um, the same commitment from, uh, my coach at uh, you know Ohio Wesleyan, and uh, you know I went for I went for Kenyon. I did start started a ton of games. Um, some games uh, you know I didn't start, but I still played a, a lot of minutes in. But um, it really wasn't the soccer that drove me away. It was really just you know the the underbelly. You know again, like I said, the the social atmosphere. The you know the professors weren't. Um, you know, necessarily giving me the the best tools I needed to succeed um, and just, you know, other things like that, that, you know, pushed me away. And, uh, you know, when I went to Ohio Wesleyan, I got all those things and also got to be on a much better, more competitive soccer team Hell um, yeah! at the same time. So um, that obviously worked out for the best. Um, but yeah, yeah ended, up, ended up only actually ended up only playing that one year in, in 2011 at Ohio Wesleyan. Uh, when we won that national championship um, and was getting ready for, uh, you know, the next season, doing my preseason prep and all that stuff. I was playing with uh, one of your buddies, Daph Evans, um, was the coach at the uh, D.C. United Academy for the under-23s. So I was playing with Daph in the offseason and was getting ready to, you know, start up again. And um, I had, you know, sort of realized that, you know, if I were to – play again I, I probably wouldn't have uh my grades wouldn't have been able to keep up I, I really struggled to succeed academically of course I was eligible and everything my grades are you know fine but not good enough to where I wanted to be because I, I think at some point I knew that I was not gonna play professionally mm. and I couldn't just put all my eggs into that basket and so it was one of the hardest probably yeah one of the hardest decisions of my life um to sort of say like you know what I got to hang up my competitive boots here at least. Um, but, you know, I still played club and intramural um, and all that. It's obviously not the same thing as, you know, playing for, you know, the 
the A team or your or your school or anything like that. Sure, but it's definitely a tough decision, you know, to say like I I, I just can't make this you know four to five hour a day commitment. Um, oh, it's, oh, it's a full time job. Team. Yeah, and, oh, and, man. and and that's why you know a lot. School too. It's not right. like you know. Everyone's always says D one is like, oh my god, if you go D one, it's crazy. Blah blah blah. D three is like, it's not competitive. It's very chill. It's not. It's it's not. It's, I mean, it depends. Obviously, I guess it depends on the school. But if you go, you can go to a competitive D three school, and it is a, it is still a job. Like you know, it, it like you said, it's it's full time. It is full time. Yeah, one of um, you're making me think of uh, one one of my players. Uh, she's currently a, a senior at Hood College in Frederick, and yeah, she's she just had to make the choice. Um, you know, I've been training her for years, very close with her, and we you know we had a number of conversations about this, and she's like, it's just too much. She's pre med, right? And, and it's like, I, like I could play my senior year, like I'm starting for this team and having success and everything. But like, I will suffer academically because of this. I will not be setting myself up for success if I do this. So like I could do this fun thing, you know, that's fleeting and is going to end eventually, but at the expense of the thing that I need, you know, for the rest of my life and to set me up for, for a career. So, you know, she had to make the similar decision and I know how hard that was for her. I, I can imagine it was, you know, it was similarly hard uh, for you. I mean, what was that thought process like? Yeah, it was just hard. I mean, I came to that decision by myself. It wasn't even a really happy okay. with my parents. I was just like, you know, I just took some time to, you know, reflect and, and think on my own. And, of course, I told my parents before I, you know, told the, told the coach and the team. But, um, but to come to that sort of decision was sort of all on my own. And it was really uh, maturing for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up being, you know, it was a hard decision, but the right one. Um, and, you know, again, it's not like I'm never going to play soccer again. Of course, you know, like I said, I played club and intramural and yeah, you know, yeah. play Sunday league now, you know, every now and then, which is still, still a lot of fun. But, uh, but yeah, again, again, it was, it was tough. Like the grades, you know, you think about your grades and you're thinking about your future and, you know, on top of that too, with the amount of time that you're putting into it, just the mental side of it, just to keep that focus, your mental health, like it's a lot, like, you know, even on, uh, it's talked about with professionals now so much in the game. Like, you know, they need not just time to rest their bodies, but to rest their minds. Yeah. Um, 100%. Just like, you know, this fixture overload is just like bad for mental health. And I'm glad that that's starting to be highlighted, you know, in, in the game. And uh, I think it should be um, taken a bit more seriously than it, than it has been and is. Um, but, you know, that's just, you know, the mental part, the academic part, the social part, even like just a, hang out with your friends. Sometimes, you know, your friends are, Hey, you want to go over to this party or you want to go out yeah. with us here? And you got to say like, no, I can't. I have like, you know, I have to be with the team for four hours and I've got to do all my homework <laughs> before our yep. game. Comes it's, it's hard. It's really hard to like, you know, miss out on those things. And um, obviously everyone has different priorities, but you know, mine was academics and, and at that point, and then, and then I was also really cared about having the social life again. So yeah, um, it does help too national championship because then you know it's like well i guess the only thing to above that is to repeat but you know it's like you kind of you've done it you know you did it so uh, yeah and you 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 rode into the sunset going out on top man no it's it's good on you and obviously i love what you're what you're saying we are very much a pro mental health uh very much a pro uh balance life balance 
uh, podcast. So everything that you're saying mm-hmm. is is ringing very true and, and resonating. I agree. It's it 100% has to be emphasized. Um, but right. So you said, you know, you can, you obviously found a better balance and you were able to stay connected with the game by playing club and intramural and everything. Um, and I would assume uh, you did that uh, after college as well. And to continue to stay connected to the game, uh, you got involved in coaching. Tell me about uh, the beginnings of your coaching journey. Yeah, well, I finished at Ohio Wesleyan with a degree in sport management. Um, and, you know, right after college, you know, I started just applying for jobs. And I actually got really close to – I got to the final round of interviews at a front office job with the Nationals. I got a pretty far in an interview with uh, uh, DC United to work in their front office, but unfortunately didn't get those in the end and, and kind of had similar, um, you know – processes where I just didn't quite get to get to the end and get those jobs so you know I kind of took a step back and was like I need to build up my resume a bit maybe take a, a smaller job in sales so I started selling direct TVs out of Costco and, and go figure I started to hate that um, <laughs> <laughs> wow shocker and, man yeah and so I did that for about a year and and kind of had a and, and had a, like a quarter life crisis essentially and was just like you know what I hate this I do not want to do this for the rest of my life my sales is not what I'm about. So ended up quitting that job and, and, you know, took a step back and I was like, what do I really love to do? I want to do something that I love. There's no way I can't do something that I don't love. Well, of course, what do I love? I love soccer. So then came the idea. I was like, maybe I can coach soccer. I know a lot about the game. I played it, et cetera. So, so, you know, let's see if I can do something like that. So I was kind of like, well, where do I start? So there's actually, my mother gave me the idea. She was like, Oh, you had some buddies uh, at Whitman. Um, why don't you give them a call and, you know, some of the guys who are still around here from Whitman that you played with and, and see, uh, you know, if they, if they know anything, how to connect to somebody. And uh, <laughs> sure enough, the first call I made was to Matt Arrington. And, you know, I asked him, Hey, you know, uh, I was thinking about getting into coaching. Do you happen to know anybody that could like connect me with, um, you know, a club or a way to do that? And he's sure enough, he was like, well, I'm actually just starting my own my own, my own gig, my own company. Why don't you come on and we'll get you set up with some teams. And, and so right away, first call I made, you know, got me into, got me into coaching through Matt Arrington. And I, I actually started coaching a, uh, a fifth grade team um, that practiced uh, on the field at the same elementary school that I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, so felt, felt very connected right away with them. They, you know, same kids that had went to the same school, same cluster as me um, and actually took over that team from who you might know, Aaron West, who now uh, is a big time um, reporter journalist for, I believe he's at VR football now, um, okay. but he also worked with Fox and whatnot. And he's, he's a great guy and, um, but end up taking over uh, that team from him and coach them up for, you know, four years along with some other, other teams along the way as well. But, well yeah, you know, I wanted to ask you real big, quick on, on yeah. that point is like, his his gig is not like necessarily a club or like a traditional club right i mean it's just like teams that get trained by his outfit is that right yeah so i mean uh like it started small of course it was like me him um a couple other a couple other coaches a lot of a lot of whitman connected guys of course right. um but uh you know it started off just being like you know about coaching teams it was very much like we were coaching classic teams yeah. um you know, sort of left and right. And also one of the big things that I really love about and still do love about Matt Arrington and, and, and Arrington training development is his uh, focus and importance on coaching education. 
Um, yeah. He really incentivizes everybody and, uh, you know, with us to, to continue to like learn more, go to seminars, go, you know, keep going, getting your coaching badges from us soccer, you know, and, and, and he incentivizes us too, by you know, he knows how expensive they can be. So he reimburses us for, for all those classes, which is huge. Right. You know, so I just finished up my, my C license course with us soccer. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, looking to get my B in, in, in a year's time um once once we're allowed to start registering for that but yeah like we started with you know classic teams and all that and you know we slowly started growing and growing and eventually you know created a partnership with uh with maryland rush montgomery where i'm uh coaching a, a team now um and uh you know really loving it i'm only two years into um my first you know sort of quote-unquote travel soccer team um but it's going pretty well it's been an interesting ride um, with these girls and, uh, you know, I'm loving every minute of it. Um, and it's a very interesting story with how we started, you know, I, I was connected with this team. Um, and you know, they're the coach that they had was, you know, not giving them the time or attention they needed. You know, they had come off of a season where they lost seven games. You know, they had only scored six goals and led in 42 in those seven games. And, you know, I was like, you know, let me go out and see these girls. And, you know, we had a really like nice little small um, turf field. Actually, you know, which one I'm talking about at Holy Redeemer. And so I go yeah. up there. Yeah, I go up there. And, you know, I'm, you know, I had like eight girls there and I'm, you know, I'm just like, all right, let's see, let's see what they got. So I threw them in a rondo, you know, and I was just like, you know, I sat back and sort of watched and I could see like, you know, absolutely there's potential there, you know, good, great first touches. They're opening up the right direction and seeing a lot of, good flashes of things being like, okay, like, I think I could work with these girls. And, you know, then I started the next part, I started stepping in and seeing like, let's see how they respond to coaching. Let's see how I respond to them. And, you know, started, you know, jumping in, giving them, giving them those tips, those points, those, those coaching points and um, found that, you know, it was just like, I was like, I think this could work. So, you know, took over them, came in, we had an indoor league season. First, first season, we made it all the way to the final, didn't win, but, you know, showed some progress. Uh, and then, you know, two months later, we're gearing up for the season and then COVID hits. <laughs> and so right yeah. as I'm starting, just about starting to make a connection with these girls, you know, all of a sudden world shuts down, you know, now all of a sudden I'm, I'm staring at like, you know, 16, 17 girls through a screen. And, uh, it was a very interesting, you know, period where, um, we had to go through where they're getting to know me, I'm getting to know them, but I kept them and helped try to keep them engaged by doing one of those Instagram lives, you know, every day where I would just yeah. take a ball to the, to like a, you know, basketball court or, or a park or whatever and be like, all right, today we're, you know, we're doing juggles for like an hour and see if, you know, how many I could do. And, you know, actually got a lot of engagement went like, I think I went 65 days in a row before I, before I broke my streak. Oh uh, my goodness. Yeah. But, and and uh, that's great. And you do everything that you can, but in the end it's, it just doesn't replace it. It's just not the same. Yeah. That, that yeah, was a killer. Uh, that, that first mm -hmm. phase of the pandemic was, yeah. was absolutely brutal. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, to fast forward, um, you know, we get to the fall, we were lucky enough to have a season. It was that season where we, you know, still had to wear masks outside if you were in MoCo. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, at that point it was like, I was, I was ready to wear a hazmat suit if that meant my girls could play, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, or you could have so, just come you know, down to Virginia, a... down in the Confederacy, where I coach, where it's the fucking yeah. Wild West, <laughs> and it's like, eh, just, just, just do a health <laughs> check, you know, and eh, yeah, yeah, sure, we're fine.
Yeah. <laughs> just, just kidding. Obviously, I, I, before I get yeah, crucified no, okay. by like Tommy and Chris, no, no we obviously we had all the health protocols. You know, coaches wore masks at the yeah. beginning. The players did the health checks. We separate, blah blah blah. But then, but yeah, mm-hmm. like as we progressed, we were definitely mm-hmm. ahead than than everyone in in that. But anyways, back back to you, yeah. right? So you're yeah. you're finally yeah. getting back into the flow of things, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we progressed. You know, the fall was better than the last season they had. Not great, but it was better. We showed progress, and then you know, got to the winter season, started to change up a few things was like, you know, I kind of moved away from the meta, you know, a lot of coaches are like, you know, we're playing four, two, three, one or four, three, three, and, and decided to sort of tear that sort of mentality up and sort of tear that, tear that all up. And I sort of came up with my own um, system that just works for, for, for my girls that brings out our strengths and hides our weaknesses and mm. um, found a lot of success with that. And moving into the spring, we went undefeated in our EDP league season and, Right now, we're competing in, competing in our top regional bracket and doing pretty well so far. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of my girls now are, you know, they're on their varsity teams. Uh, some of them are have been um, nominated to be part of, like, the, the regional team with our club. And, um, you know, a lot of, lot of the girls have been moving forward. And it's, it's encouraging because, obviously, it comes from hard work from them. But as a coach, like, you want to stimulate that excitement and that growth. And so I just feel really pleased and um, happy that I've been able to give that for them. Like, you know, I have my girls asked me, you know, the other day at practice, like, you know, we want to train more like than the three times a week we're already doing, you know, and so things like, I I don't know if I have much time, (laughs) but you know, it's, uh, it, it is encouraging to hear that. Like, you know, when they, when they come telling, you know, they come back to you telling you that they want more and more and more and more. It's like what you want to hear as a coach. Dude, Uh, I love it, man. And you know what, Aaron, I am not surprised in the least and I'll tell you why. And to tie it back into my introduction to you, uh, which was obviously when I was, you know, the director of the soccer program, uh, the head varsity coach at the Academy of the Holy Cross, uh, I hired mm-hmm. you uh, as as my freshman coach. And I didn't mean uh, to skip over that. I was going to go back to that, too. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No worries. Perfect, perfect tie back in here. Uh, and, and nothing but praise from the parents and the administrators and obviously me, uh, you know, as the head coach. Uh, I, you know, if you remember Nelson Abreu there, you know, he was mm-hmm. the dean of students. He had mm-hmm. been the head coach there for a while. Said this is, you know, the best freshman setup that we have probably ever had here at Holy Cross. And then obviously you made your way up uh, through the ranks, uh, you know, and, and even after I left, you know, you were helping with the varsity team. Uh, and obviously now with uh, at Whitman, uh, head JV coach, I don't know what the dynamic is. You know, if you do help out with varsity, I'm sure Dave yeah, oh, really yeah. appreciates everything you do. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I am not surprised in the least, Aaron, you are a passionate, knowledgeable uh, and just like incredible guy, not just a good coach, but a, a great guy. So all of this, all this does not surprise me, not one bit. Yeah, just, you know, of course, like a big, a big uh, point in my, you know, growth as a coach was when you gave me that opportunity to coach at Holy Cross, because that just exposed me to more. It got me, you know, in the school environment. Obviously, mm-hmm. private school is a little bit different than public for a whole bunch of different reasons, but yeah, that, that freshman kind of, that freshman team that I had, you know, we were just down on field one, you know, right <laughs> field one, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, I don't know. It was just fun. It was just fun. Like, you know, we'd had, we had the right amount of like sort of joking around and banter and then the right amount of like, all right, it's time to grind. Yeah. And, you know, just had a really great group of girls down there was able to do great things with them and, you know, move up through, through JV and through varsity and, 
you know, of course, uh, after that, my third year there, um, we had the banquet and literally the next day I got the call from daydream being like, he didn't even say like, do you want to come and coach? He was like, you're coming to coach at Whitman. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't say no to that. Um, but yeah, the dynamic is great. It's not like, uh, Hey, this is my varsity team. That's your JV team. And like, when you're done, you can come on and help us. It's very much inclusive all the way through. Um, you know, we do our banquets together. We have our tryouts together. Um, I'm very much involved in, um, the selection process for varsity as well. Um, you know, but this year has been, of course, been pretty difficult for me and us, um, with Whitman being one of the, I think maybe the only team in Montgomery County or one of the only teams in Montgomery County to not have an in-person season last year. So we didn't know pretty much any of the new players coming in. So the whole sophomore and freshman class were unknowns um, and hadn't played any sort of high school soccer before. So this was very big to sort of like year for us to re-inject our values back into the program. Um, And, you know, of course, Dave knows that since I'm a Whitman guy and have played uh, for the school with, for him, you know, under him that, you know, I knew exactly what to instill in, in, in terms of the mentality and those values in, into my group. And, um, you know, we have a very young team, both uh, at the JV and at the varsity level. Um, so our future does look bright, um, I would definitely say. Um, but it's, you know, the, the chance that, that you gave me sparked a lot of, of opportunities for me in the future. And now, like, I'm in a a great place. I'm never really comfortable with where I'm at. I always want more. So I keep pushing for more, you know, again, like going for the B, B, B license course soon. Been looking at other sort of coaching education courses, always looking to see, you know, how I can be more involved with, you know, clinics or, you know, maybe even like guesting, like being an assistant, like coach for another team during a tournament or something like that. Just so I can expose Mm. to environments and more, um, you know, ideas, um, I think that's a big thing about coaching and I'm sure you would agree with is, you know, once if you're a coach and you think you've got it figured out, you're, you know, you're toast. Um, yep. and stay you know, humble and stay hungry. Yeah, absolutely. And so staying, staying open and, and available to see more ideas is really, um, what's going to keep your trajectory going upwards, um, as a coach. So, um, yeah, that's like, I mean, that's pretty much where I'm at right now and, uh, yeah. it's been pretty busy. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I get well when your your players are asking for a fourth and a fifth session per week. I, I can imagine you you are staying mm-hmm. busy. And, uh, and, and and by the way, Aaron, before we close the loop here on on your coaching mm-hmm. career, uh, I do have to clarify and put it on record um, that you were not actually the best freshman coach at Holy Cross. You were only the second best. And of course, oh. I am I am legally obligated to say that because of course I filled your shoes, which, uh, with, uh, my eventual future wife. So, um, ah. I kind of have to say that, you know, that Brooke was the, the best freshman coach, uh, of all time at whole and, and pretty much in the history of the world. Right. Brooke? Yeah, it's in, it's in the, it's in the contract, right? <laughs> yeah. <right>. yeah. <laughs> it's right there. It's right there. And she's right in the next room. Like, yep, that's right. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, dude, obviously your, your trajectory is, is, uh, I think the sky's the limit for you, buddy. And, and obviously we'll, you know, anything you need from me, man, you, you let me know and, and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get you to the top. And what, what are your goals real quick uh, before we talk about, well, actually there's nothing really else to talk about after this, right? Like nothing about like personal. <laughs> well, uh, well, as long as we keep for Arsenal, as long as we keep the trajectory going, um, you know, got a couple of big games coming up, but so far so good. Um, you know, if we can grab 
another seven points, let's say, from our next few games for the next break. We're going to be sitting pretty. Um, but for my goals as a coach, you know, just uh, to continue on, um, you know, growing. And, you know, we're, in, we're going to be competing in a lot of different tournaments. So I'd love to, you know, bring home a piece of silverware for sure. Um, yeah. Like I think this group definitely has – the uh, potential and ability to do that. And I'd love to um, sort of see them through that because they've been working so hard, but, you know, also of course, you know, continuing to move up and up and up, you know, I'm coaching a pretty competitive team now, but you know, I'd love, always love more. Like, you know, I'd love a group that just wants, continues to want more. Um, so. I like yeah. it. Man. I like mm-hmm. it for sure. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to close the loop on that. Cause we could probably wrap about youth soccer and coaching and all that stuff. Uh, for a long time, uh, but we've been carrying on and, and I want to, you know, (laughs) say uh, I'm very grateful and appreciative of your time. Uh, you still got a few minutes so we can talk about Arsenal. We might need to make this uh, interview a two-parter by the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I got to definitely have a little bit of, so about one, so we could probably grind out another 20 minutes on Arsenal. Perfect. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure for the, the traveling supporters, for all our listeners, that's 20 minutes too many, but you know what? My podcast, (laughs) my rules, we're going to talk about Arsenal. Gosh darn it. Uh, although the, the dog is staring at me. I haven't taken him for his walk yet. I'm sorry, buddy. 20 more minutes, okay? Uh, but yeah, anyways, um, right. Let, yeah, let's talk about Arsenal, man. Go back to the beginning on this uh, real quick. Can you give us a, mm-hmm. uh, a quick word on how you did become an Arsenal fan uh, in the beginning? Yeah, I, uh, so first, first exposure to Arsenal was actually, um, you know, middle, I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it was middle school. Yes, middle school. Okay. And um, I so don't I remember college, what sure. it was. <laughs> I don't remember what year it was, but I do remember the game. It was Arsenal versus Chelsea um, and was on TV. And I had actually wanted to start watching soccer. I was so into it. I was like, you know what? Just playing it is not enough for me. I want to watch it. I want to see what it's mm. like. And, I, of course, the only channel on at that point was Fox Soccer Channel. So I asked, I looked it up, did all the research, and I was like, "Mom, mom, it's six dollars. Let's get it." And, and so we, <laughs> I love we it. Sign up, and that's the game that comes on first. And I'm like, "All right, it's two one to Chelsea. I like an underdog. Let's go Arsenal." And sort of as I was making that decision in my head, the the man, the myth, the legend, Henri, just steps up with a free mm. kick and buries it in the top corner past Petr Cech. Um, and not only was it just, it wasn't just a normal free kick. It was one of those where, like, you know, the the wall had not been paying attention and they're moving backwards and he hadn't asked for 10 yards. So, you know, he was, he just like took it basically like a trick free kick, um, oh, yeah. quick bit of kicking and puts it right in the top corner. And I was sort of like confused. Like I was like, what's happening? It's in the back of the net. It's a goal. And like, I was just as confused as the Chelsea players. And then it pans over to Henri and he is just going balls to the wall, sprint <laughs> to the corner flag, knee slides about 20 yards. Cause it's pouring rain. And I was like, that's my team. And that is my player. <laughs> and, and that's yeah, how that is great. Life. That um, is a great fucking story. Yeah. My mine's literally just because I was always a contrarian as a kid, and like all of the people, my soccer friends were Manchester United fans. So I was like, "Fuck you guys! I'm gonna be Arsenal." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so uh, yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, obviously your your uh, supportership developed over the years. Uh, you ended up going to a game a couple years back, I think, right? Yeah, I've been to uh, one at the Emirates. Um, Arsenal versus Stoke, uh, Bamiang on the double. And then mm. there's that game, if you remember, when he was on a hat trick and we won a penalty and he could have taken it, but he gave the ball to Lacazette. Lacazette, I think Lacazette yeah. Threw, uh, 
you know, a rough patch of form and he buried it. Um, so it was cool to see them. And they did their whole handshake thing right in front of us. Um, <laughs> the edge of the box seats. So that was a really nice angle for that. Hell yeah. And just, you know, I was also, of course, enamored by just being at the Emirates. Um, you know, that day it was cold and a little bit wet, you know, typical London. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I got the full experience, got to go to the Tollington afterwards, got to see the, you know, the players. Uh, pull out of the stadium and their, you know, their Ferraris and all that. Fuck, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I said, and and it's cool because the the exit from the stadium garage goes right. Has you have to go past the Tollington, and there's a light right there. So if any of the players' cars get stopped at a light, like literally everyone just sprints out of the pub with their pints and starts trying to like take pictures and start. <laughs> it's hilarious scenes. I'm like this. I could get. I was like, I could do this every weekend. This is great. So um, good. Yeah, but also saw them up in New York. Um, that was the uh, preseason tour right after we won the FA Cup and broke that trophy drought. Um, and and then also saw them uh, most recently when they came down to play uh, at Maryland um, or when they were staying at Maryland and played at uh, – Oh, Federal. yes. Um, so that was a cool uh, cool experience um, to see them did, here did as I, well. Did I tell you my story about that? So my, yeah. my buddy who's like the head security guard, Right. He kind of like gave me the heads up because there was like a time change or something like that. And, you know, I, I show up and, and yeah, I mean, literally watching Arsenal train at Ludwig Field, which is incredible. And my connection with him, since he's on the field, dude, he rolls up. I'm like walking out the parking lot, about to go back to my car. I'm like, you know, that was a cool experience and everything. And he just walks over to me, my, my buddy, Matt, Matt Levy. Um, and he has a soccer ball in his hand. And I'm like, that's not what I think it is. Like here, dude, this was one of those practice balls that I just like, they kicked off to the side. I tucked it away, hit it. They left, didn't notice. And he gave it to me, dude. So like an actual ball that like all those guys that you just named that they mm-hmm. practice with have all kicked it. And like, I still have it and like treasure it to this day, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I got a bit of memorabilia myself. I have uh, actually a, uh, it's a bombing Jersey that's framed above my, my desk, but it was funny. Cause I actually was in the hotel lobby where they just finished up their like sort of PR event before the game, the day before the game. And sure enough, I'm going down the escalator and, and my fiance, Megan, just is like, I think that's a player walking over there, run and go get him. And <laughs> it was, uh, was Mkhitaryan. So I've got a picture of Mkhitaryan. Oh, cool. my Amiens jersey, and that's framed up on the, on the, above my desk. And, and then also I got a, uh, an arsenal sort of soccer ball from the fan shop. And I actually got, um, uh, Oh my God. I, my, Ray parlor. Ray Parler to sign it. Fuck uh, yeah. Ray Parler signed ball um, on my uh, on my desk too. Um, and also my fiance, she's the best in the world. She she got uh, a Bamiang to sign a picture of himself and I have that too um, framed above my above my desk as well um, with a little message sent, you know, wishing me happy birthday. I don't know how she pulled that off, but um, holy shit. Yeah, got that too. So yeah, just a really, really cool connection to the team, but you know, I had a couple of friends that also helped strengthen that bond with Arsenal. Um, I'll never forget the day when I sat, you know, about to bring up a sad moment. So get ready. <laughs> oh, no, I got the tissues but, right uh, here. Yeah, sitting on the couch at his house when we were watching that 05, uh, sorry, 06 Champions League final. And mm. remember when, uh, you know, we had the sending off for Lehman. And then when they put that second goal past us, you just knew it was over. And so we just had to sit there, you know, watching them play Tiki Taka around us for 30 minutes while we're sobbing our eyes out being like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, 
We had hope. Sol Campbell's goal down a man. I was like, maybe we can yep. get this thing out. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, uh, I think Henri got like decked in the head and he had to like, they had to give him uh, smelling salts. So he was like half out of it. I'm pretty sure he had a costume. He would look so out of it because he got, he had that one chance. I think he was on a breakaway and you know, you're thinking Henri one-on-one, you know, exactly where it's going. It's going bottom right corner, back of the net. And you just like hit it right at the goalie. And you just knew like his head wasn't right from that challenge. Um, and like you know, as soon as as soon as that happened too, it was just like, yeah, it's not going to be our day. Wasn't our uh, day, yeah. But oh, okay, you know. Thanks for reopening that wound. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the segue into the nice uh, dip in stature we've had recently. No, but uh, you know, now it's interesting again. You know, with Arteta, you know, we of course I ranted on on the podcast. Uh, was it a month or so ago about well, right, know, and, and that was going to be my segue, which was that yeah. we're in it since we last talked on the pod here, we are in a very, very different place. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, to talk about this this last month, month and a half, or whatever it was, uh, at where we were and, and where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you, it's hard, it's always hard for us as Arsenal fans because we love to usually do this, but you know, since the transfer window closed, we would be top, you know, top four, if not top three, type right, team. right, right. Um, you know, we didn't have Tomiyasu in the squad. We didn't have Ramsdale in the squad. Well, he was in the squad, but not starting yet. Not playing yet. Um, I don't think we had sort of figured out um, necessarily the, the partnership at the back. Like, we were still playing Marie and Holding, and, you know, White was kind of going in and out there a little bit. Um, and not just transfers, but also the injuries. Finally, since then, Gabriel has gotten healthy, right? We're, we're basically able to field the top team that we want at this point. Yep, yep. And, and you know how uh, disappointed I was that we weren't going to be moving on Jaka. And I never want a player to, to be hurt. But his absence has made us look to alternatives to the way that we to play. You know, it's been a we played a uh, four three three sometimes where it's party holding at the base and then he's got Smith Rowe and Odegaard as as, as eights or we've had the double pivot with him and Lakonga or sometimes even Odegaard and, and, and party. And uh, you know, just not only are not only because we're playing well now, but it's it's refreshing to see something new. You know, if it was, you know, the same old like, you know, we have a couple of bad games and then like Jacques is in there and he like, you know, picks it up you know, his form and, you know, the same kind of like, well, Jockey gets the ball, he plays it out to Tyranny, we cross it in and, you know, goal's great. But right, right. it's nice to actually see us playing a different style. And you can also see and feel a different mentality in the squad um, with the way we're playing too. It doesn't look as lethargic. It doesn't look as slow. You know, we have the energy of Sokka and Smith Rowe. Like we actually have ball carriers in the squad that can progress. Um, it's nice to see us in transition. We're big now too. Um, yep our back line and, and you know with Tavares getting minutes now I think he's six foot plus and I think I think everyone in our back line is is well over six feet um, which is refreshing we actually look like a, you know a physically imposing team as well as um, you know improving technically and tactically as well um, you know I I definitely still have strong feelings about Arteta I'm glad that you know he's seems to have found a balance and a way to to play so far we have to of course see it continue to be consistent um you know i still have my thoughts about that villarreal game where he played smith rose a nine so i know that's still <laughs> still there um and i don't know about you mike but he's still like he's definitely 
swinging the needle back more towards, you know, the middle, if not slightly onto the better side. But again, we need to see this continue. It's great, but it's got to continue. You know what I mean? Hello? I think I lost your mic. Messi gets it back. Messi! There we go. Hello? Yeah, dude, my uh, AirPods died, like, right there. Uh, and uh -oh. it, it couldn't transition to, like, speakerphone for some reason. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just kind of close up shop anyway. Um, I'll just, uh, I might even just leave this. <laughs> I don't feel like editing out like 10 seconds. Uh, okay. Hello, traveling supporters. Uh, we are back ish, I guess. Sorry about the technical difficulties. Uh, yeah. AirPods crapped out. Couldn't transition to speakerphone. No big deal. Uh, where did we leave off? Uh, I think you were saying, I don't know about you, Mike, but then something about, uh, we're trending upwards, right? I don't know. Oh, yeah. That you caught. With the, yeah. With a feeling on Arteta. Um, like, you know, I, my, my trust in him was mainly damaged after that Villarreal game when he played, uh, Smith Rowe as the false nine. And, mm. you know, I think all we needed was a one nil, mm. one nil at home or something like that. And, and we just, we couldn't even muster up anything that game. And I was just, you know, really disheartened and confused about why he picked that system and yeah. seeing it fall so flat was like, that worried me a lot. Um, but I was just saying, I don't know about you, but, you know, this uh, new system style of play, this new energy with the squad has definitely rejuvenated, rejuvenated my um, trust in him a little bit. I would say it's definitely the pendulum swinging back, you know, ever so slightly yeah. more on the positive side, but still not like all the way up there yet. It's got, you know, we've got to see consistency. I think uh, the Carabao Cup run um, is fun. Definitely not a deciding factor. Like if we win, great. It's a bonus. Um, but, uh, you know, if we can see more consistency in the premiership, if we can collect, you know, a bunch of points from these next few matches, I think we've got, uh, Watford next, which should be a win. Uh, then we've got Liverpool and again, they're, they are Liverpool, but if I see us, you know, at minimum, you know, put in a fighting, you know, chance or effort, even if we lose, like, that's all I can sort of ask for, you know, I feel like against a squad like them with the way. Salah's been playing for that 400k a week contract, just burying goals for fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's obviously been incredible, but it might be one of those things where we benefit a little bit from not having European competition and, you know, Liverpool having that competition. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's the end all be all, but, you know, you might have some heavy legs, you know, Klopp might have to rotate a little bit uh, in that game against us, whereas we'll be we'll be good to go with the squad nice and fresh. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's actually it's actually the perfect time. I mean, not that we don't, not that we want to be out of Europe per se, but mm. it's the perfect time for it to happen because we've got such a young and new squad. He now has time to just take his time with the squad, you know, be on the training ground with him. Like that was, that had been sort of his, uh, one of the arguments for uh, definitely a lot of uh, fans and, and, and pundits and journalists about him is that, you know, he never really had time to work with the players on the training ground. It was just games after right. games after games after games right. and just no time. Like, you know, oh, and then they have to go off to, you know, the Euros and then they're back. You know, so now, now, he, now he has time to really implement, you know, the, each phase of play, what he wants, et cetera, et cetera. So. Um, you know, it's per perfect for that now. And hopefully we can see uh, more positive 
results, but also more positive performances. Um, Cause we do have to realize that this is a very young team. I think we have the youngest team in the premier league yeah. um, on average. So, you know, inevitably there will be mistakes. What looks like to us as, you know, just lack of effort, you know, that sort of look, play where it's you know side you know the the el nene factor where we're playing sideways and back <laughs> backwards yeah, um, yeah and that kind of play we want to see progressive stuff we want to see shots we want to see chances um, and, and the mentality you know. the attitude just seems so much better so much more positive again instead of like burned leno and david louise just moping around the field i mean now you have like younger players yeah. energetic players you know guys <laughs> who care and that that's super encouraging to see mm-hmm. obviously you know one of the segments on on the podcast is, uh, you know, how Jared and I feel about being Arsenal and Newcastle supporters today. And uh, uh, most recently, or, or, you know, early on in the pod, and uh, it was it was difficult to get through that segment. Uh, but that segment is becoming easier and easier. And I'm feeling uh, better and better. I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm sure Jared's pretty psyched about his new ownership. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's probably bouncing off the walls thinking like, oh, we're getting Holland this summer. Um, but it'll be interesting to to see what happens there. Definitely watch that space, but, uh, who knows? I mean, they are, they are, they are in trouble. They got to stay up first. So we'll yeah. I, well, uh, again, I literally just recorded, you know, the Thursday episode with him, uh, before this and we're talking about it. He's like, dude, honestly, I just don't even really want to talk about it. But, and I'm like, but Jared, isn't it very intriguing that like the literally the richest club in the entire world is going to be playing second tier football next year i I find that (laughs) fascinating yeah and i actually have a question for you don't you think did you find it interesting that they decided to move on from steve bruce when they did because they're still having trouble finding a replacement manager and i think they're aiming their sights too i like they tried to go for emory he said no right i think they're trying to appoint eddie howe eddie howe yeah but what's and, and like I said to Jared, what, what's going to end up happening? It'll it'll be the same thing as a Nuno at Spurs, where like he'll go into it as the sixth best choice, you know, and he'll know that, and that's just going to carry on and and follow him throughout the entire tenure. I, I mean, it's just that that eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. So if they do keep going for a top manager, uh, that's what's going to end up happening. What I think they should do, Aaron, is just just get fucking Big Sam in there. I know it's not sexy. I know it's not a long-term plan but like with this new ownership and what you want to eventually do with the club by the halans win champions league like you need to stay up first and they ain't gonna stay up with their sixth choice manager they're not gonna stay up with an interim guy so just get fucking big sam in there it sucks but just do it pragmatically and then yeah next year figure it out well, do you think do you think Big Sam will keep him up? Because this is the, the last job is the first time he's failed to do so. Right, right, right. Still, yeah, no. You think like, still like, ha- I, I know Big you, Sam because he's literally like the definition, I, the epitome of the caretaker manager that you use to just fucking stay up. Okay, uh, right, I don't think gotcha. the actual Big Sam is the one to do it, but someone like that. Yeah, I hear. Okay, yeah, I I see what you're saying. Yeah, or like like the Roy like the Roy Hodgson's. Um, sure. Yeah. You know the world. Yeah, I. Yeah, I think that would have been a better decision for sure um, than to just, you know, treat Steve Bruce like how he did. Like those owners came in and I'm sure you were following that that whole story with him. But the owners came in and then everyone was just like, get this like bloody wanker out of my club. And, <laughs> and he's kind of looking there like, what did I do? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the whole way, just the whole way that happened. 
I just thought I find uh, you know, baffling, like, you know, um, even if, if we had, if we, if those owners came into Arsenal, I wouldn't be like, you know, chasing Arteta, you know, with pitchfork out the door. I'd be like, right. Oh, this is exciting. Maybe you can get, get some, you know, of course, better players, but you know, if I was that ownership, I would first and foremost start investing in facilities and coaching and, you know, technology and, and even into the community. Um, just, just look at what Lester is doing, you know, um, they're a perfect example. And I, I know that they don't necessarily have the same, you know, type of ownership that has like the bottomless pockets of cash, but, you know, they invest in the community. Their training ground is like state of the art. Now they're about to expand their stadium. I think they're, they're, they're working more on their infrastructure instead of being like, you know, let's just dive in and buy all the players first. Yeah, it, you know, it is truly amazing to me. And, and we can kind of end it here because I know we're, we're coming up on one o'clock and you got to roll. And again, this mm-hmm. dog is looking at me with the side eye right now. Like, dude, fuck you, man. I should have been on my walk like three hours ago. Uh, but but it always does. There is such a disproportionate focus like around manager like that's just the you know the point man or like the 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 face of the club or whatever there are so many other things so many other ducks that you need to get in a row before you worry about the manager i mean fuck sake mm-hmm. you can be the best manager in the entire world but if you don't have the youth program if you don't have the academy if you don't have the facilities if you don't mm-hmm. have the mm-hmm. outreach if you don't have all of these things in place it doesn't fucking matter so like i just never mm-hmm. understand this obsession about like sacking the manager all right now we've got now we can give it a go i just never understand that yeah yeah and part of that too is just also the social media age that we live in you know it's the like sure. you lose a game and it's like sack everyone at the club yeah, yeah. like it's like it's like everyone's playing <laughs> people ultimate team but they forget that it's real life, you know? Yeah. yeah, I've got this. You're like, oh, I've got it now. I've got everyone in my squad, the manager. You know, you win a couple of games. The first game you lose, it's like, just sell everyone. Just get yeah. rid of everyone. Rip it up and start over. And it just doesn't work like that. Um, wow. But, yeah, Aaron, it's 2021. Yeah. And you're talking about people being extreme and overreactionary. Like, holy shit, that's a shocker to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the modern fan these days. So, anyway, yeah, we'll have to. <laughs> We'll have to see how things pan out with both with uh, Arsenal and with Newcastle. Um, yeah. Hopefully, Super League 2.0 doesn't come around too soon either. Oh, fuck's sake. Don't even get me started. We could do another hour on that. But, <laughs> yeah. but I am going to go ahead, sir, and uh, wrap it up right there. Uh, I want to thank you, Aaron, so much from the bottom of my heart. Tons of gratitude, tons of appreciation uh, for you taking the time to chat mm-hmm. with me today. Um, anything to say to the traveling supporters as we sign off here? Um, football is life. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, dude, it's great stuff, man. I appreciate you. Have a good rest of your day. And uh, I'm sure. And again, you're a recurring guest, so you have to come back on, you know, whenever I uh, demand you to. So uh, we will talk again <laughs> soon and the traveling supporters will hear from you yet again. Oh, absolutely. Maybe we can catch up again, uh, like sometime around the uh, transfer window time. Oh, perfect. Perfect. We'll talk then. All right. Take care. Thank All you. Right. Cheers, Aaron. Bye-bye. Bye. He's our striker. He's on fire. Ooh, hot. Hotter than Mitrovic. Scoring goals home and away. He's played for the ticks and he's on fire. 
Grand talk was a catastrophe. He just wouldn't go away. Oh, and then Will Grigg turned it round. Cost us one million pound. Oh, I said Will Grigg turned it round. Cost us one million pounds. Will Grigg is on fire. Come on now. Will Grigg is on fire.